I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. The Lord's Prayer is a guide. I got to tell you, today as I was praying it, you know, going through it, not praying it, but using it as a guide, thought to myself, hey, Jess, thought to myself, good to see you. Um, my prayers have radically changed. Just, I mean, I'm just praying to the same God, and I'm the same guy, and I'm saying more or less the same things, but there's an organization to them now that feels like it's come right from the hand of the Lord. And so, anyway, I just wanted to share that, that I like when my sermons change me. Because that's usually, you know, you can always tell when I'm preaching it myself because I get extra passionate. Uh, you may feel it like, oh man, he's really mad at us. Nah, it's all aimed inward. The Lord's Prayer is a guide and as we've seen, it is a remedy for perfunctory monotony. It is not intended to be recited for its own religious sake. I think we've made that case well and clear. It is to be memorized together as a body. So it's good to speak it in church together, to be personalized alone, line by line, privately. He tells us that when he gives it. First off, Jesus didn't pray it ever. He taught it. And, and when he taught it, he said, pray in this way, not with these words. Huge difference. And so it came with these three warnings. Three warnings right before it that we somehow seem to ignore. We meaning the body of Christ in, at large. And myself included in that until really getting into this. Uh, but it came with three warnings. One, pray sincerely. Don't be a hypocrite or don't bother praying. So you want to say the stuff that's way deep inside. You've got to talk it out with the Father. Two, Pray secretly. I mean, that's how it was instructed to be prayed. Secretly. By yourself. So that you can be utterly sincere. And then three, pray succinctly. Remember, let your words be few. He's, he's in heaven. You're on earth. Let your words be few. You have to completely express yourself. But we, we pointed out there are two sides when it comes to talking with God. Speaking in our heart whether you say them out loud or not, speaking to him in our heart and listening in his word. And we should be listening more than we're talking because that's where he speaks to us. And so we saw that's prayer. That's the listening prayer. Okay, well, here's your question for today. And I got to say, I've been holding on to this question for the right sermon. This is it. Love this question. Why do we get speeding tickets? Yeah, yeah, because we speed. <laughs> but why do we speed when we know we get a ticket? Because, man, it's like, you know, <clears throat> 55 in a 35 is, wow, we're flying. 55 in a 55 is, come on, man, we're crawling. Right? So what is it then? Because it ain't about the 55. What is it about pushing the limit? That's so tempting. Now, I don't know how many of you knew this, know this, but you're going to. Pastor Nick was a cop back in the 60s. 
I do not have a photo, so he'll be played this morning by Robert Duvall. <clears throat> Let's just enjoy that for a moment. <laughs> we went frame by frame till he made a Nick face. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he was a cop back in the uh, 60s. You have to ask him about it. He took old, uh, remember Mr. French from Family Affair? He took him in. <laughs> He's got a great story about him. Okay, back to the uh, sermon at hand. Anyway, Officer Harris tells me that he used to say back in the day when he was out looking for speeders, nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine. Oh, I wonder if they still use that today. I don't know. All that to say, why do we get speeding tickets? Why do we get speeding tickets ever? And I'll tell you why. I mean, it's a simple reason. It's because we're too focused on the destination to just sit back and enjoy the journey. It's like I'm just going to the store. I don't know nothing to enjoy here. Yes, there is. Yeah, time alone with the Lord. Creation, not breaking the law. <laughs> you know, there's that. <laughs> I was hurrying this morning. This is so funny. Hurrying this morning because I thought of a revision I wanted to make <clears throat> for the PowerPoint, and I was I needed to be here earlier than I was, so I'm 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 pressing it. And I'm thinking, oh, you can't speed today of all days. You can't speed because you're talking about speeding. And so I'm just, oh, I want to go, and I'm not going to let myself. And I get up back. I go this way, and there's a train. And I said out loud in my car, because I talk God out loud sometimes, I said, seriously? What? And then I did what I actually claimed I do in a message a couple weeks ago. I said, okay, you got my attention. What, what are you trying to say? And the first thing that popped in my head was, enjoy the journey, eh? I went, oh my goodness, look what I'm doing. I'm about to go preach this very thing. And I said, okay, let's talk. And let's enjoy however long it takes. You're in charge. And if I don't get them made, that's, it's your parade. I said, it's your parade to rain on. So, and we had the best talk. Anyway, and just as I come around the corner, the train was ending. And I said, oh, that's just like you. Just like you. Okay. Well, let's see. We're too focused on the destination to enjoy the journey. Same reason we tend to hurry through our prayers. Got to get to the end. The amen. You know? Amen does not mean the end, right? But we, we, we kind of use it like that. It's like a signal to let the Lord know we're done. We're finished. It kind of caps it off. It's like, you know, and everybody said the end. Well, we'll see you, God. I this true story, when my daughter Shaz was little, uh, she was sitting with me back there. Church was smaller at the time, and so was she. And old Pops was a preaching away, and we had a guy in the church that loved to say amen. Amen! Amen! You know, people always say amen when they especially agree with something you just said, especially if it's about someone else. And yeah, amen to that. And so we're sitting there, and she wasn't usually in big church. And she leans over, all upset, and she whispers, doesn't he like this? And he said, yeah, that's, he's agreeing with Grandpa. And she goes, I thought he wanted him to stop talking. <laughs> huh? That's so funny. And it's a good idea. Amen. <laughs> Let's cut it off. Okay. 
So that story is wonderful because it's absolutely true. This story I'm going to tell is fictional, but it's helpful. It kind of, well, you'll see. Two, two strangers cross paths on a, on a cruise ship early one morning, still dark. Each notices the other has a Bible. Ah, oh, so they're up spending time with the Lord. They come together, quickly realize that they speak different languages, can't communicate. So they wave their Bibles at each other, they shake hands, and they keep walking. And then one suddenly turns around and says, Hallelujah! And the other turns back and says, Amen. And off they go. Perfect communication. That's kind of the heart of Amen. It's a declaration of the truth. I mean, this is its biblical meaning. It's a declaration of what is true, as well as a commitment to faithfully carry it out. Which is why I, and knowing that, uh, it's why I often say at the end of a, of a service, if you agree, declare it with me. Amen. It's like that. You're, you're vowing to do and you're, what you're claiming is true. And it's one of Jesus' names. One of the actual names were given for Jesus. These things says the amen. And this is Jesus talking. These things says the amen. That's his name. Then he defines it. The faithful and true. That's why I called you faithful and true family. The faithful and true witness. He's the amen witness. You are, and that's funny because we say, can I get a witness? And someone goes, amen. He's the amen witness. I just thought of that. You are, okay, here's what he says. The amen witness, faithful and true, says, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. He can work with either of those. It's like either be a faithful and true witness or not, but not a lukewarm witness because all you'd be doing is deterring others from the faith while you're deceiving yourself about your own. Don't be a lukewarm witness. Best to be an amen. Amen is how they say it. I'm going to say amen. Best to be an amen witness, faithful and true. You, I don't know if you knew, you speak fluent Hebrew right now? That one word anyway? That, that's Hebrew and it was just carried over phonetically into the Greek. But I want to read you a couple Old Testament scriptures and what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace uh, these bolded words with their original Hebrew pronunciation. The Lord God will call his servants by another name so that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of Amen. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of Amen. Therefore, says Deuteronomy... Know that the Lord is the Amen God. And then Jesus says, I'm the Amen. I'm here. I'm the Amen, faithful and true. Amen? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to say Amen, and I want you to yell back, truly. Okay? Amen? Truly. Okay. We'll do this uh, quite a few times today to help lock it in. Because I want to lock this in your head. That's the best definition. Faithful and true. Truly. Truly. So I say amen. You say. <laughs> amen. 
Okay, you got it. Because, here's the thing, as it says in Exodus, the people feared the Lord and put their amen in Him. <laughs> amen? You got to wait for the question mark. Over, over 50, 50, over 50 times in the recorded Gospels, Jesus, rather than ending with amen, begins with what was the ending. Begins with amen. Here it is in one of, the, one of the few translations that keeps it consistent. While they were eating, Last Supper, Judas, while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Here's the thing. King James, verily. Uh, New King James, assuredly. New American Standard, truly. They all, th- those all have that meaning. But then, every last one of those guys, <clears throat> if somebody ends a prayer with the same word, they write amen. And that messes us all up. Okay, but here's why this is so valuable. This was unique to Jesus. He invented it, he did it, and no one after him did. No one before it, no one after. Amen was just, it was used the way we use it. And then Jesus comes along. Amen, I say to you, and then he would speak. Amen, I say to you. Putting the end at the beginning. You know, he's also called, in Revelation, the Word. He's also called, he calls himself the beginning and the end. The first and the last. Because he was. He himself, simultaneously, was the end of the old covenant. And the beginning of the new Simultaneously. He was the beginning and the end. He preached the beginning. He preached the end from the beginning. (laughs) And so now we see him taking this word that's from the end. Literally taking the last word and putting it first. Making the end the beginning. His mind was working on so many levels at all times. Add to that this little declaration that God made back in Isaiah 46. Way before Jesus came walking here. There is none like me says the Lord, declaring the end from the beginning. And then here's Jesus saying, Amen, I say to you. Classic Jesus. So many things going on simultaneously on so many levels. We can't get through them all. But here's a fun one. Uh, Joshua, which is the Hebrew uh, name of Jesus, but Joshua, not Jesus, the other Jesus, Old Testament Jesus, led the people across the promised land. And uh, they, they stood on facing hills as Moses had instructed all the people, two hills, face each other. And then the priest could pronounce a curse on a list of sins. So there's this big list of sins uh, like this one, which apropos to Judas. Cursed be anyone. So they'd yell out, cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood. And then here's the instructions. And all the people shall say, amen. So now turn and kind of look at each other. And we're all going to say amen at each other. And all the people shall say amen. I hope they had a little more enthusiasm, but they probably didn't. You're up on the hillside. What are we eating? Okay. Okay, so. There's a whole list of those. And they all end that way. So here's the curse on this sin. And all the people say amen. And here's a curse on this sin. And all the people say amen. There was Judas's sin. and all. The, so when Jesus at the Last Supper... But Judas in the room says, amen, I say to you. I'm declaring amen to you. 
one of you is going to betray me. He's pointing right back to the curse of sin. All the people say amen. It's, well, I mean, you can if you want, but all those people said amen. Not to mention, he is the amen talked about in the Old Testament. And so when he says amen, I say to you, yes, as the amen, he says it. So anyway, I could go on and on. But here we have the one, remember, without beginning or end, right? Jesus, no beginning, no end, is the beginning and the end, beginning with amen, when proclaiming the end from the beginning of ushering in an eternal journey in grace through faith in the great amen. Amen? Aha, uh-huh, you missed it. I like the ones that mess up. You remind me of me. It is just like adding the, uh, uh, it's like the I do's at a wedding. Okay, the vows, they come at the end, right? Marking the beginning of a marriage. The vows are the beginning and the end. It's like that. It's a vow of commitment, faithfulness, and trust. The beginning and the end. It's the same way with with our amen. Amen is an affirmation of truth and a vow of trust and commitment. To live out what we pray about. That's why we end it with that. I, I just so wished that the translators would have kept all the words consistent. Like either keep them all amen or keep them all verily. I don't care. Keep them all truly. Instead of mixing them back and forth, which has caused much ignorance about their actual meaning. I mean, we know verily and truly, but then we see amen. We don't know what it means. Okay, don't get me off on that. Amen? Okay, there, as long as you agree with me. If in the future... Now, okay, here we go. This is part two of today's message because this is a recap of everything. So that if in the future you need a refresher... Sorry, I forgot about you online people. I need to look at you once in a while. If in the future you need a refresher uh, regarding the LPG beginning to end, you just remember the amen. That's what today's message is called and Here we go with our refresher. If we think of God as a distant force or a religion or a drill sergeant, we cannot truly, amenly pray our Father. Because He wants to hear just one or two words. Uh, not much, just one or two heartfelt words that declare from our heart he's our dad. Because he is. <laughs> and not only that, he loves you. He loves you with the love of a perfect parent. The amenly perfect parent. Is he not your father? Your creator who made you and formed you? See, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa, Father. Yeah, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Amen? Now, don't laugh at her. Now, if on the other hand... We disregard his absolute and utter authority and think of him as a, as a, oh, a buddy, a buddy or an old softy, Uncle God. 
then we cannot truly amenly add in heaven. You know, above all, majestic, full control, sovereign. Now, here's the thing. This isn't about distance. He's, right, he's near. He's right here, okay? So this is not about distance from us. It is about majesty above us. In that way, very close, very near within us, but majestically, infinitely higher. So acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth, you know, down here below. There's no other. So, so let us lift our hearts and hands. That's why we lift our hands, by the way, to declare his authority. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Amen? Good. Now, if we are careless with how we represent our perfect Papa's righteousness and holiness, we cannot amenly pray, hallowed be your name. Because think about it, he is literally the very only definition of godliness. I mean, you're going to be godly, you, know, you don't say Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, you do, Bruce Lee. No, I never thought of that one. Uh, <laughs> don't, what's that called, inner voice, what do you, you check yourself? That's turned off today. <laughs> okay. Well, plus hallowed things are cherished. And treasured like hallowed ground, hallowed places, cherished items. Especially the one name. You know, this one name. God's got a lot of names, but the one name especially so. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. For in him, and here's why, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. They're all represented right there. Why? Well, it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Therefore, God has given Him the name that is which is above every name. That at the hallowed name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And that every tongue should confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now. If we're unconcerned about the salvation of those around us, or we're just plain apathetic about praying for and watching for that open door, then we cannot sincerely say, your kingdom come. Because it must come first, and then advance heart by heart, as designed by him, as his ambassadors reach out on his behalf. See, your king comes to you, Righteous, having salvation to share. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. 
So I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever. Amen. Isn't that funny? That's his name. Amen. Now, if we think of eternity as a journey that hasn't yet begun, wrong. Or we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're bending his will to ours rather than bowing ours to his, then, then we can't amenly pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is to say, immediately and enthusiastically and completely. Jesus said, I have come down, so I like to say down here, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father. You go, well, wasn't that Jesus' will too? And he's, he's talking about how he emptied himself and he had to grow in understanding and wisdom and, and all. He wanted to be like us. He wanted to learn to do the Father's will, however that worked. Do not come to my own will, but the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him and copies Him, you know, acts like Him, may have everlasting life. Okay, this is the will of God, your holiness. For by one sacrifice, He's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So what's His will? That you be made holy. Amen? I'm off my mark. Now, if we're too busy... To pray daily. Or too blessed to see our need to declare our dependence on our provider for what we lack. You go, well, I don't lack anything. Oh, 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 I don't know. You might lack the daily compassion for generously sharing your abundance. Yeah, if we can't find time daily to declare our dependence. Then we cannot honestly say, give us this day our daily bread. Man does not live by bread alone. So, Lord, give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you without even realizing it. Or I may become poor and dishonor the name of my God, who said, I am the bread, the bread of life. Oh, blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. There's your daily bread. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Amen? Yeah. Now, if we're reluctant to face whatever violates our faith and separates our closeness with Christ, we cannot amenly pray, forgive us our debts. I mean, you can say the words, but it's not... Coming from that amen inside. Unconfessed sin may not make us unsaved, but it makes us unclose and unclean and unhappy. And it certainly makes our merciful dad sad. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. I love that. Good and ready. He's good and ready to forgive. So return to the Lord and he will have mercy. He says, return to me. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. Amen. Okay, now, if we'd rather hold a grudge 
then behold the godlike power of offering forgiveness as though we really have a choice. We're either just being obedient or disobedient. But if we'd rather hold that grudge than behold the power of forgiveness, we cannot seriously say, as we forgive our debtors. Which then nullifies the whole first half. Because offering forgiveness is how God has set it up. It's how we express gratitude for receiving forgiveness. So pray, pray it or not, the way we judge, we will be judged. I mean, I'm just warning you, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do that you may be children of your Father in heaven. They may see your uh, good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Now, if we'd rather give in and wade in to a little sin, rather than fight the good fight and steer clear or stand strong under temptation, then we can't amenly pray, lead us not into temptation. This here, this here is a prayer to be strengthened, not spared. And not, not from temptation touching me but me touching temptation. For the heart where God lives, the me part of it, <laughs> the heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah, each one is tempted when, when he's drawn away by his own desires. Do not be deceived. Heart's deceitful, don't let it deceive you. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Well, okay, send out your light and your truth, let them lead me. I am the light, Jesus said. I am the light of the world. He who does the truth comes to the light. You see, their understanding darkened because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. But whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Amen. Uh, we've got to say it with a little more passion next time. Uh, now, if we're unwilling to own up to our part of the problem, or we know deep down we're resisting our Savior rather than the enemy, we can't earnestly say, deliver us from the evil. Because like, like with drowning, if we're drowning, uh, it's, it's not what's around us but the part that gets inside us that'll finally kill us. The Lord said, I am with you to save you and deliver you. But see, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him with the right kind of fear. He hears their cry. Yes, if you cry out, for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, which comes from his word. Understanding, which is the voice of God speaking to us out of his word. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil. Amen. Really? Nice. 
It's an afterburner. Now, if we see prayer as an option to choose when, you know, one finds the time, it's merely lukewarm. No aim to transform. Then we absolutely cannot amenly close by proclaiming yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Because this, that is a declaration of war for the day. For deliverance from all darkness in whatever form. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, the heavenly glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. You see, the Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Here's his power. I mean, he has several, but this is the one they're really pushing. The Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Your saints, Lord, your saints shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known the glorious majesty of his kingdom. So if you know deep down that you don't mean the amen the way it's intended to be meant, because, say, you you have yet to jump in with, with both feet, don't bother saying forever. Because that, forever, that part of the vow can only truly, amenly be said by those who are the kingdom. And in the kingdom for the long haul. And enjoying the ride or trying to figure out how. These are those who are well aware that yours, O Lord, is the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. And look at this. He's made us to be a kingdom. We're a kingdom. And priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. From everlasting to everlasting. This time you can say amen. And let all the people say amen. And all the the assembly said amen. Truly. And like we'll be doing in just a moment. uh, It says they praised the Lord. And the people after that, and hopefully like we will be doing, did as they had promised with their amen. So you be careful how you use that last little word. That's one of Jesus' names. And when we say amen, we're saying I do to him as a vow to trust and to act on the truth of those private things that we've prayed It's all part of all the the joy of the journey through eternity. Not a race to the end. Amen. So let's memorize together what I trust you'll personalize alone. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can we keep doing it? Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, well, let's go back and emphasize. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I <laughs> truly like it. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.